This is the BCA Podcast, the outreach arm of Beards Creek Adventures, and your weekly source for all things faith, family, and stewardship. We're your hosts, Charlie and Mike Culkin. Join us each week for interviews, discussions, laughs, and encouragement. We hope you guys enjoy the show. Welcome back to the BCA Podcast. Uh, Charlie and I are back at it tonight and um we're uh we've we've got some fun topics coming up but we're also uh, excited that uh um the next month or two is going to be pretty fun for us so next thursday night um i'm heading down to the harrisburg show to set up with uh moosey to do the catch and release booth and then um i'll be there the following week and i think you and Uncle Jay, I talked to him. He said that might work. Um, Might come down for Thursday night, Friday of the following week. Uh, The bad orange man is coming (laughs) Friday night. So, uh, you know, hopefully I'll get to shake Donald Trump's hand. (laughs) Let him know what I think about the current economy. There you go. (laughs) Ask him for some donations or something. Yeah. My my thinking is... How do I get out of there without having to... Before, oh, well, yeah. now it's going to be... Have you ever... There's an episode in Parks and Rec where the presidential uh, drive, they have to go by and then block all the roads and stuff, yeah. and they get locked in the car, and then it runs at it. That's what it's going <laughs> to be, is we're going to try and leave, and they're going to be pulling in, and, and they're going to be all shut down. Yeah. And Secret Service is going to be tracking you. John Goodwin and I were talking about, like, how in the world is that going to... Like, there's going to be protesters outside. Oh, there's going to sure. be... MAGA hats inside there you know it's just gonna be a circus yeah um, but what do you you know what do you i, I like <sighs> they're, they're, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll leave it at, i'm not convinced that there's a good candidate that's i can't believe that the the two candidates we have currently are the the best yeah. our country has to offer but yeah uh, we try not to talk much about politics. Say, it's not what we're. Uh... <laughs> it's not really what we're about. So, um, so yeah, uh, me and the Donald are gonna hang out next week, and I'll get him on the podcast. You yeah. think we can make that happen? We talked. John and I talked about that too. He's like, "Would you have him on the podcast?" I'm thinking, "Gosh, I don't know." Like. You think about the listeners; like it expands your listeners immediately. Oh yeah, we'd go viral. Yeah. I don't, I, you know. Yeah, but then we've got now we've got a stance. Yeah. Now we're now we're taking a stance. Now we're on the side, and now we've got people against us. You know, right, right, right now we're small enough. There aren't a lot of haters. No, no. Know, there might be some people that disagree. You know, Aaron might not love the topic tonight on your your stance at least, but right. there's no you know outside. Well, and who do you follow up with, right? Like, so you have Trump on one week, and then. Hey, welcome back to BCA. This week we're having Aaron Curtis. <laughs> like it's just uh, our listenership would go like from a million to you know yeah four hundred. <laughs> so whatever, it's that's the life and times we live in with social media, yeah. I guess. So well tonight, this is uh, the pod the topic for tonight is um something that i've been bouncing around with because uh a couple different reasons like it's been something that has been in my you know something in my head um but i had uh i also saw it in some other places and one of them was on a 
um, on a post that I saw, gosh, it was probably, I don't know, it was earlier this week. And, um, and it is from, um, the, the guy's name is Aaron, uh, and I'll never be able to pronounce it right, but Aaron, uh, Pascor, I think. Don't um, ask me. No. <laughs> yeah, pronunciation is probably not. So anyway, he's. Uh, you can find him on Instagram, the AP underscore Woodsman, and um, and I really like his content. It's 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 really good. And so the what he had posted on his story was the idea that um, you know that technology has has really invaded the. Um, the hunting community yeah. and it, he was he was remarking on and i think he might have even uh reposted a um a story from uh buck commander who i typically like and uh had um jason aldean on it mm-hmm. and it was a new scope for a um crossbow that would allow you to shoot in lower light like it it's pretty advanced. Yeah. So what Aaron, this Aaron was saying is that, you know, um, we need to draw a line in technology. And and I agree, like, you know, we, we probably need to think about that. Um, but for him, it was, um, you know, that, that you know, um, we need to draw a line at, at cell cams or at cams. And... Um, and I agree. Like I think, um, I think there does need to be a line mm-hmm. where we say, okay, enough technology. It's time for us to use our woodsmanship skills. Um, but I think, and I think a lot of people would agree with that. I'm sorry, I'm I'm dealing with a cold, but I'm not sure that we could ever get people to agree on where the line is. That's true. Yeah. Well, and we've always had fair chase laws or fair chase rules to some extent or another. And I, I wondered, you know, I don't know, I was 10 or 12 when I got a drone. And I thought that would have been great. I'll yeah. send it up. I'm going to send it out. I'll, I'll get a live feed 100 yards away from where I am. I'll know right where the deer are. <laughs> I'm going to, okay, they're bedded in over here. I'm going to hunt this stand instead. You know, I, I thought it'd be this, this great plan. And then, well, A, I, my drone lost connection after about 10 yards <laughs> flew away into the woods we had to track it for yeah yeah whole thanksgiving afternoon or something and, like yeah. yeah um and it, and it just that would diminish some of the hunt and i think that's really where those laws and those rules came in yeah. is, is just as much as it was a, a legal protectant for we're not now hunting all of the deer out of oblivion but also i think for me whether or not it was a law or it was just kind of an ethical decision, it was, that's what hunting is, is, is that's part of the hunt. It's not right. just killing. It's not this technical operation where I'm, you know, air inserting into the, the property and I'm, that's just not, that's not <laughs> what it is. Like I, when I, when I think about it, it's, if we do fair chase in the military, are we going to use the same tech? We're not going to use the same technology as our enemies because that's just not, yeah. we want to win and so we're going to use these crazy advancements and the crazy uavs and, and warthogs <laughs> and everything else and and um and i think if we look at that as a smaller scale on hunting we don't want that i yeah. don't want to take a warthog out i could kill as many deer as i want with right, an a10 right. warthog but it's not right. 
it's no longer hunting. You're taking that away. Exactly. So part of part of why we hunt, yes, we want meat on the table. Yes, we like the challenge of of getting a decent buck, mm-hmm. right? And, and to outsmart an old doe or an old buck. Yeah. That's it, but it's it's that challenge idea. Whereas um, you know, when you start using things like cell cam and it's very easy to slip into that. Well, I don't want to disturb the woods, so I'm going to use yeah. these cellular cameras. Okay? I I can get that, but um, once you start doing that, now you've got you've got nearly live data. You know, you yeah. have uh, you know um, in the moment data. I know or, or intel. Um, New York doesn't allow you to use drones to recover deer, mm-hmm. um, I, which I, I, you know I'm not sure where I f- feel on that. Even. Right, I don't know that they're necessarily that much better than dogs. I, although I guess you, if you get heat, if you get thermal imaging, you could find. That's true. Right. So you can use them. You just can't recover the deer within the same day. So hmm. you can you could find that deer and then go the next day. But <laughs> it, it seems to me like wasted, you know, or right. wasted game. So I'm not sure where I fit with that one. We don't use cell cams, but mostly because I'm too cheap to pay for that. <laughs> <A> subscription, <laughs> for subscription and everything else, yeah. Um, we run very few cams. We use enough to be able to keep inventory on our property. This yeah. year we ran three, and right now we're only running one mm-hmm. on the food plot. Um, and those are just two of the, the technology pieces that come up, like these these scopes or thermal imaging for predator hunting or... You know, we've got a, we have a, you know, a scope outfitted with a red light, but it's not thermal imaging. Right. Um, and there's advances that come out with every single bow and gun we ever purchase. Right. Like my, my new Bowtech um, I got last year has a, a, a locking system in the cam where it doesn't ever go out of, it doesn't ever go out of true in terms of once they set it, mm-hmm. it it's locked in, which is great technology. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my last bow, I had three peeps or three sights. Yep. I'm forgetting the name of those. Um, and my new one, I've got five, and I've got a level on it. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe um, I'm behind the times, but. Yeah, let me tell you about that technology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, it, you know, the the SHOT show just finished up. ATA show was just before that. And they roll out all their new stuff. Yep. And it is, it's, um, you know, great technolog- technological advancements. Um, but is it, uh, is it the technology that makes us better woodsmen? Is it the technology that makes us better hunters? Or is it experience and time in the woods? Yeah. Um, so I heard a story this week, and I'll let you jump in at any point, um, about a guy who received a, a free hunting ship, a hunting trip, and um, so then he used, he, instead of having to pay for the hunting trip, he he went and bought equipment, mm. um, and he paid almost three thousand dollars in um, in a certain hunting brand outfit, you know, top to bottom. Was it Walmart? <laughs> it was not Walmart. <laughs> and thus Aaron Curtis's disdain with me today. But I tell you, I got a great Walmart camo hoodie. Yeah. I've been rocking it for years. It's got the buff already like built into it. Yep. It's for a 15, $20 hoodie. It's a great little fleece middle layer that, you know, especially early season can't go bad with it. So I wonder is, 
is does that stuff make us better hunters i think i think there is a a yes and a no to that answer yep um i know for me when i first started hunting i started i don't know 12 is when bow season started when i was hunting personally that is um and it was cold and i i'm pretty sure that it, it was something along the lines of i asked or i got to the foot of your stand you told me to meet you at your stand and it was like a half hour still left of daylight kind of thing and you're like what are you doing it's like you you said you know sun goes down at six it's like yeah but we got half an hour still at sunlight sunlight you know this is the best hour and I, and i was freezing yeah and so we went into town and got some gear I was far warmer and I was able to hunt far longer as a result of getting all that gear. Yeah. And so there is a, a point where, okay, having more gear, making you warmer, making you more, it making it easier to move and, and all that. There is a, a point where that is beneficial compared to not, like I know Emily struggles with being cold. Mm -hmm. And as a result, there are a lot of times that she's not always necessarily in the hunt in her mind because she's just freezing yeah. and wanting to go up home. Or there's times where she calls it early, especially in the mornings, because it's cold. Sure. And so you get a little bit beneficial of that or benefit out of that. Um, I know my rifle is only a 30-30. I'm comfortable at 100 yards. I could maybe push it if I, if I wanted to. I know I've shot farther, but... Um, Jake's or even Rachel's has a 308 and that that definitely shoots farther oh, than yeah. mine. Yep. Um not that she's necessarily comfortable at that range but certain levels of technology you're going to be able to take farther shots or better more accurate shots. Right. Um and there is there is a a point of that but I also know of my siblings I've got the most deer on the yeah. ground. Yeah. I've hunted less in terms of I'm younger than both Emily and Jake. But I've hunted probably put more time in the in the stands. I put more time in the woods than than both of them. I would yep. say, especially in the pre seasons, and that as a result has given me an edge. Like I, I I know that there have been hunts that I set up in a stand because I knew I helped put that stand there. I knew that there was rubs and and scrapes and and that's the other thing with these cameras is there were there people were tracking these big bucks that they knew were around far before they had cameras right. you know i right. oh i saw it in the cornfield on the way in or it was i'm seeing these tracks real consistently big big bucks leave big tracks so <laughs> <laughs> save that one away for a rainy day um it's there's there's you can get away without the technology yeah. i think is how i would put it the technology well, you, helps but you don't need it yeah and you know fj fiance jake doesn't use any cameras like yeah. he he like he wants to be surprised by what's on his property mm -hmm. and there's something there's a purist yeah. pure like a simplicity a pure, yeah to that that i i like i kind of like that you know and our property does that you know we mm -hmm. we there's time we ne never got a picture of the buck you shot right you right. know and um like okay that's pretty cool yeah. you know that 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 guy wandered through and i think um there's also uh, there was a the the idea of time on the stand right like time in the woods that be that trumps everything else yeah. well how do you how do you get that well you got to be comfortable you right. got to be right. you got to be warm um i think things like gear like um like sika would be i think it, and, and they would say that it's over uh, over engineered for mm -hmm. for what we're going to probably deal yeah. with in the lower 48 yeah well that's 
And you know, here's a, a fun fun fact for you. Um, Patagonia, the, mm-hmm. the classic, I mean, they, they make great gear. Yep. Their gear, most of it, if not all of it, has been tested through the military. They, they issue the U.S. Army most of their gear. Yeah. And so who better to test it on than the people that are in Alaska? They're in the desert. They're in the, the sure. tropics. Their, their gear is meant to be able to go everywhere. The gear I hunt with regularly probably has not been tested in Alaska. I don't know if Moosey, maybe he has. Maybe Moosey has made some trips up to Alaska and then oh, yeah, yeah. And gone down to the tropics and done some Africa hunts in his DWR. I don't know if he's done all of that. But I know it works for me. And and some of that is just finding it on your own right, and, right. and testing. I I know exactly what gear I like. Yeah. Um in fact, I was just talking to to my coworker about my my general setup in terms of layers, and because he'll wear, <laughs> I noticed one of the first days we were working, he had I think he said seven shirts on, not including his hoodie and then his coat and then his vest, like ridiculous. How do you move your arms? So that's what, I, and I was like, how are you not it's like sweating? Like what is? He's like, actually, I'm kind of like I'm cold, and I was like, well, that's you don't have any air pockets to insulate you. And so he ended up shedding some of the shirts. He would, he would rock like a a tighter base layer shirt, Mm -hmm. a regular t-shirt, his hoodie and a coat. And he said he's far warmer now than he was with the seven shirts on us. You know, I've learned a couple of things sitting in the woods, (laughs) freezing cold. So, yeah, you know, my, the first buck I took, um, first deer I ever took was a nine point and, uh, took it up in Holly with, uh, Papa and a bunch of other guys. And, uh, it was a cold, crisp morning, and I had jeans and, you know, a, like a turtleneck and a, a flannel shirt on. Mm-hmm. And I think I had, like, my dad's old army coat yeah. or, or something like that. And, you know, it was it was cold, but that that buck came running out 50 yards from me, and I got it with a single-shot 20-gauge that now hangs here at camp. Yep. And uh, so it was very basic gear. Yeah. Um, I recognized that that was as much luck as it was skill because I just kind of picked the spot, you know, between this this field and a and an apple orchard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I mean, not a stitch of that clothing or the clothing that I now own actually aimed and pulled the trigger. That you know, right, right. That comes down to the hunter. Well, and that's that's an interesting take I've I've always seen is that. Well, I could. I know guys that that hunt their flannel, their jeans, and they smoke their cigarette, right. and they're still getting deer every year. Um, or, or it's the old timer that's saying, "Yeah, that's how that's how we always hunted." There's no reason for all this. Um, which I think there is there is an aspect of that where you don't necessarily need the, this crazy camo. You don't need the the full extent. But I will argue that the hunting methods have largely changed. Mm-hmm. I think when a lot of the guys were in their their flannel and their jeans they were driving that yeah, was that was, was the classic way of, of hunting i think in in a lot of areas there were more deer um i don't know not as much around here where we live there's a pretty high population but there was it was a different the deer probably weren't as i don't know i don't know what the, how the deer acted if they were more at ease or if they had been over hunted i think now especially bow hunting when i'm trying to sit super still and not be noticed if i was wearing a real bright yellow well I mean, they don't see the red, fl- the red um, spectrum anyway. The, but I know guys that have taken it in blaze orange shirt and coat oh, sure. and pants because they're worried about other hunters and they, they're making it happen what they're wearing. Um, I think they're. You're right. You can get away with with 
out needing fancy gear. Yeah. I I think it convenient. I think for me it's more about the warmth. Yeah. Um because the reality the reality is is the experience teaches you to be still in the stand, yep. to play the wind. Um being still is something that is uh that comes along with being comfortable. If you're warm, you're going to be shivering. You're you're, uh, you're not going to yeah. move around as much or yep. or fidget. Um so I think warmth is 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 a key factor in yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but is, you know, $900 for a pair of bibs? Is that really? (laughs) Right. Because you're right. Well, and that's, you know, I, I think that's where you got to decide, can I be warm in a Carhartt bibs and a Carhartt coat? Cause I know that that keeps me warm. I wear that all the time and I, and I don't have any issues. I'm I'm warm in my my chaps and my flannel lined pants. Don't, yep. uh, why don't I just take that out and save <laughs> save me the money? Because it you know? reeks like gas. Yeah, <laughs> and, right. And chainsaws. <laughs> but it, you, I know what you mean. You know, it's it's a lot of it's learning to layer right. Mm-hmm. You know that correctly. Um, a lot of it's having gear that's going to keep the wind and the rain off. And yeah. And and honestly, when you guys were were getting into hunting. Um, and this was probably six years ago, I was looking for, I need, I've got four kids I need to outfit into gear. And, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to break the bank doing that. Um, and I, and I want to find gear that fits them and and fits you guys. keeps you warm, Mm -hmm. keeps you in the woods. And, uh, uh, you know, so, um, that's when I stumbled across an catch advertisement for catch and release. And this is, this whole podcast isn't an ad for them. <laughs> although clearly we're going to go spend a week working <laughs> for them. Clearly we believe in them, but, um, that was, and then they have, they had a buyback program. Yeah. I wish I had that when I was little, I was wearing the same <laughs> ankle to, to sleeve onesie camo sh- bodysuit thing that Jake wore I'm sure and you probably wore when you were little or, or yep, one of our yep, cousins or somebody yep. it, it had been worn in by the time I got to it yeah and I, and I wore it until it was four inches above my ankles and a short sleeve shirt <laughs> they were like coveralls right like yeah, that, yeah, yeah yeah so um you know reaching out to 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 Moosey and talking to him he sent out a set for Rachel to try and she loved it and so mm-hmm. then we started like okay, let's and it, and the pricing was was unbelievable. It's like a hundred bucks yeah. for pants and a jacket, and they're not full on waterproof. You can get a couple hours in the rain, yeah, uh, but they're insulated and warm. And now and that's the base level. Um, but if you outgrow that, if your kid outgrows it, you send it back in, and they give you sixty bucks yeah. towards your next. And thing. that's and that's what's huge is right. being a kid. It, it's hard to get into those things. I mean that's. Um, that's why I didn't start skiing until just now is because for me to be 10 even and get kitted out with skis and ski boots, the next year I'm going to need new skis and ski boots. Right, and, and that's right. another, you know, it was a thousand dollars just for me now and I, to yeah. do that multiple times is, is just crazy. And I think that you could see that very easily in sure. hunting. And so, and then when you, when it comes to like your bows, I bought uh, the diamond, uh, the diamond uh, infinity infinity bows for you, Jake and M, so yep. that you guys would they grow, you know, they would grow with yeah. you. Um, and they weren't extremely expensive; they were less than five hundred bucks, fully loaded. Yeah. Um, 
which still is pricey, yeah. but it's not terrible. Right, and, right. And each of you guys upgraded this year. Everybody mm-hmm. got a new bow, um, but I didn't have to pay for it. Yeah. And your your first shotguns, your first rifles all came from Papa mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, My muzzleloader I bought. Of yeah. course, it was when Gander was going out, and so I think I got it for 100 <laughs> or 125 Yeah. Yeah, I bought three of them, and mm-hmm. you, you ended up saying, yeah, I'll take one. Um, so, I mean, they, they, you know, and then you start looking at the glass that you put on them, you know, mm-hmm. you've got a, a Redfield scope on your 3030 yep. and it, the, roughly, you know, between the, the tree stand, your gear, your boots, your gun, the ammo, you're somewhere in the neighborhood of two to $3,000 yeah. each time you go out. Could somebody uh, on the lower scale, uh, economic scale, could they get into hunting? I think here's here's my my take on this is that there's there's two ways you get into hunting. Either you get into hunting late and you're older and you probably weren't brought up in it. It was it's a buddy of yours, hey, you got to come out with me. You got to try this or and you ease into it to some extent. I think that's or you you decide hey, this would be a good way to get some food. Yeah. Um, I know that's how it was really originally that's kind of how it kind of came back into style. Um but I think the majority of hunters grew up hunting. They or were brought into it by their dad, by their grandfather, by an uncle. Um, to some extent, they had somebody else bringing them in and bringing them out. Um, and so my argument is, for me now, if I had no prior hunting knowledge i'm just deciding all right this is something i think would be interesting i i I know i've mentioned the page that i follow um where it was a it was a vegan or veggie i think it was just vegan girl who decided that the reason she was vegan was because she didn't want to support the the farming industry and and the mass amounts of of uh cows and everything else and there you know i'm not going to get into that argument but that's that's why i eat them but it was she she was making a choice to be a more sustainable person you know she did all her gardening anyway she might as well take advantage of of hunting and and she knew that that was a sustainable thing for an individual to do and so you get into it from there where you had no family you got nobody else a i think the first thing you need to do is find somebody um, and I think that's what most people do. I mean, Dylan Morgan has fished and he's done some, you know, he's got his hunting gear, but I, I was getting him out squirrel hunting a little bit. And, mm-hmm. um, and now he still texts me every year and we still try and get him out every year and it never, <laughs> it hasn't happened. I don't know what's up with that, but he's, you know, for him to, to fully kit out, we're talking a, a couple thousand probably if you want good gear. Right. Or. Okay, we you buy your rifle and you go out in your bibs and your coat and you go out on state property where people are pushing them around anyway on opening day and you you hope for the best. You hope something gets pushed to you and and I think yeah. that's where our roots are in yeah. terms of a lot of how a lot of the older guys got into it. That's that was the hunting. Yep. You were just hiking out there and and hoping for the best. You might hop on a trail or a um a buck rub or a scrape no, rub line. Yep. In in you know that and that's kind of what you were going off of you were going off pictures you weren't going off everything else you didn't have a whole game plan it was hey i'm gonna walk this way you walk that way yeah um and then i think the other way you get into hunting is you were raised in it and for me i didn't buy my rifle or my shotgun but my grandfather gave me his so he's kind of getting out of hunting and so he's passed it down he's passing it down to the next generation and that's why i don't think hunting will ever become an elitist 
only hunting is just for the rich who can afford it. There's always been an aspect of that. There's always been an aspect of the the rich hunters that are going on these really high end guides in in Alaska for moose or in Africa for some exotic animal. There always has, and probably to some extent, always will be that side of hunting. Yeah. But I think the majority of hunters and the what hunting really is will always be generational. Yeah. It'll always be as long as you're taking your son out, as long as you're taking your daughter or whoever out, or a nephew or a grandson that's where hunting is i wonder if that's true across the country or if that's just true like of our experience and local experience you Mm -hmm. know what i mean so uh there's another podcast that i heard him talking about um that uh people wanting a boone and crockett deer so much that they're buying up private property and they're posting it, not letting anybody else on the land. And then they're the only ones that can take a deer off of that property. And so, you know, if you have money, you can get on, you know, get a balloon yeah. crocket. And I listened to that podcast a little bit, and I swore I'd never listen to them again because of another podcast, <laughs> but I caught part of it because they posted it. And I was like, gosh, I just don't, I don't know that that's really true. I don't know that um, every bit of property is being bought up. Yeah. Um, now, cl- granted, there were when I was growing up, you'd get some permission from farmers, and most farmers, you know, when we were hunting in Holly, I mean, we we were hunting square miles because farmers, you know, at that time, yeah, go ahead and hunt. There was yeah. no threat of suing them or right, right, um, or it was hey, we need these deer gone. Right, and and. And there weren't that many deer either. It was you got your buck tag, and then you had to have four, four names to go on, on, a, on yeah. a doe tag, a single doe tag. So, um, it was it was at that day and age, it really felt like it was. You know, we'd get a group of guys together, we'd sit for the first hour or two. And then we'd push every block, and there'd be another group behind us pushing the, the block right, after right. us. And then we'd all meet at the diner for lunch, and you'd smell like diner food. And then you'd drag your butt back out after lunch, you know, after mm-hmm. you're exhausted. And then we'd probably quit early, you know, a half hour yeah. before dark, maybe. Some days we didn't. But it was, um, it, it didn't have the same intensity to it. Yeah. Where, now it feels like it. Like I have friends who, um, like I'm like, relax, dude. You got anxiety over this buck. Yeah, like yeah. You, you're stressing the idea that you, you know, you have these target bucks and where is he? And I got to know mm-hmm. where he is. And the cell cam's going off in the middle of the night. Yep. Well, and, and that's something I I do think if I'm tracking all if I know every deer that has been on our property in the last year, every buck that has gone on an excursion to our property. I know the best three bucks. These are the only bucks I'll take. If I didn't know that those bucks existed, that other little two and a half year old eight, I'm taking. Right. You know, and I would have been excited. I would have been so happy to take this little two and a half, (laughs) eight point buck that's, you know, might as well be a little basket rack or it's nothing special. But as far as I was concerned, that was the biggest buck I've seen all season. Yeah. But I know that there's this other one that it stays just past dark. And if I wait just a little bit, he's going to show up. And you you waste your whole entire season so focused on that, that right. deer, that one buck that you miss out on. 
all the opportunities that you've got and right so, in front and, of you. And so you balance it, right? Like that that moment of excitement um, versus what would the moment ex- of excitement be if you waited and were able to get that larger buck? Uh, right. You know, I get it. I get it. Like you wanna you wanna do better mm. each year, but at some point that's not that's not you, happening. You, yeah. At some point you've taken the bigger deer. Right. You've got to let all <laughs> those deer There's walk. always a bigger fish, but somebody else <laughs> might have shot that bigger fish. Right. Right. And so it's it it becomes this. Um, and I've I was feeling this a little bit this season, right? So we. We, you know, I haul out a hundred and fifty dollar camera arm and a hundred and some plus camera and, you know, all that other gear and I want to film all this and I've got this, yeah. I've got the newest Tacticam for my bow, all of this stuff, and I'm like, I just want to hunt. Yeah, I just want to be out in that tree stand, and if something comes through and it trips my trigger. I'm going to shoot it. And that's, mm-hmm. I, I took that eight point and I knew I was not getting much time to hunt this year. And I was thrilled. If it, it's a two and a half year old, it's not a monster, but I was thrilled. And yeah. I was really thrilled with the shot that I made on it. I had so much fun tracking it. Yep. Um, and, and finding video, we do have video of him the day before. And uh, he had his, his G2 was still on. He broke it off overnight before i shot him but he came out of a bedding area that i created Mm -hmm. or that we created like there was so much about that hunt that i absolutely uh, you know i'm like this is great Mm -hmm. i I, it didn't need to be a a five and a half year old buck and i i think some of that and i it's it's a very ironic thing to bring this up considering we're posting this and we're going to share it on all of our social (laughs) media and we're gonna we're running a social media page i think some of that is a result of of a the social media in general yep. and the and i don't i i think people blame social media because everybody gets to see now and can comment and make posts but you know it's it might as well be us putting it on the hood and driving it through town that i got this buck you know yes. but yeah. i i think some of that is the community now is yeah. there we are all in this intense i'm gonna get this big buck so when somebody else takes a smaller buck well that could have been the big buck i was gonna take yeah. next year or it's well, he'd be bigger it's, he'd be a nice buck next, next year <laughs> right and you just get that on anything you post it yeah. doesn't matter it does not matter how big of a buck you take yep. somebody is gonna say that they took bigger or that you could have taken bigger right and that's and that's just not what hunting ever was and so i don't know when that change happened or what's really causing it i think some of it is that that you're behind a screen now Mm -hmm. there are there are times that i know i've got this little eight point that somebody probably is saying why is he taking this little deer but when i show him in person and i'm like and i had this great hunt i was with my dad and i talk about it there is no regardless of what right. they genuinely think they're going to be supportive of that you yeah. know and, and i've i've talked about that even with um some of the does i've taken and it's i have a buddy that really does not necessarily agree with taking dough and we had a conversation about that and we were talking about it and i took my dough and i sent it to the group chat and he congratulated me you know it we can we can so easily get in this phase of when you're on social media and you're not looking at um what was I just, oh, and you're not looking at the person and, and hearing their story right behind it. You're just yeah. seeing a picture. Yeah. 
it's real easy to, to judge that and say, Hey, this is, you know, we could get, you could do better or, or, you know, why are you taking dough? You know, those are, those are two, sure. three more deer that, that, that dough is going to have in, a, in another year or two. If you, if you let her go, that could have been another big buck out here. Yeah. Um, I preached on that this week, this, yeah. the idea of, um, you know, we, we allow anger or bitterness or jealousy to fester and online, you, it's so easy to dehumanize somebody because you're behind the screen. You're not looking at them face to face, talking to them face to face, hearing their story face to face. You you do this keyboard warrior stuff. It's easy to say, you know, hey, that would have been a oh, I wouldn't have shot that deer, or another two years mm-hmm. that would have been a nice deer, as opposed to being there in the moment with the person. It, yeah. it does. It makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a. There's a machine that gets fed, right? Yeah. So these companies, when you buy gear from them, um, you know, if you buy a rifle or if you buy uh, camo, okay, that's that's a one year point of sale. Mm-hmm. They've got to do something to get you to keep buying, yeah. and so um, there's not enough new hunters coming in to keep these companies going. Right. So they. They want to keep getting you to upgrade each year. Well, we gotta we gotta upsell you. We mm-hmm. gotta keep upselling you. We gotta, and the the brand loyalty that goes on in hunting is astounding to me. Yeah, you know, like uh, Matthews is the is the Jesus of all <laughs> all bows, right? Like, I mean, it's the second coming of Christ if you shoot a Matthews. And so there's this machine, and we're we're part of that machine. I mean, by virtue of having a a page by mm-hmm. virtue of having a consulting company by virtue of of working uh you know with with catch and release and going and working at the at the show i mean mm-hmm. that show is going to i i go each year and it's it is it is feed the machine you know yeah. and and instant uh instagram facebook those things youtube videos it's all about feed the machine yeah and i and i liken it to like um iPhone. iPhones are designed, are literally designed to last two years. Yep. So the battery dies. So now you got to spend another thousand dollars on a phone. Well, and we've learned, okay, I'm going to eke four years out of this. Then I'm going to buy another phone. Like I just <laughs> upgraded my phone from a 10 XR to an 11. Yeah. Well, they're on like 15. I right was, now. I, I was running sixes yeah. for, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I had a six for a long time. Then I had another six. And then I got an eight, yep. and I I had an eight, and I got an. I think I I may have broke that one, and I got another eight. I don't. I may have stuck with the one for a long time because I liked the home button yeah. was was part of my push there. <laughs> I wanted the home button. I wanted small. I don't like the big. I don't like it. And I don't as much as I do use my phone. It's not part of my personality. I don't, right, you know, right. it's not a status for me. And I think that's what happens with with hunting is a lot of the gear. People aren't buying Sitka because it's any warmer for them. And anybody that has ever worn warm, warm gear, yeah, it's they're not doing it because it's a brand. Right. They're doing it because it's warm. Right. I think I am just as warm in my catch and release with my base layer that's from Amazon, and then my my hoodie that's from um, Walmart, and right. then my outer layer that's catch and release, and my you know my dry shot boots. I'm just as warm in what I'm wearing yeah. as somebody that is in full sick of gear and spent more money. But 
they're in sick of gear. And right. I think for them that there is some status behind that. Sure. And I know Aaron probably doesn't love me saying that. <laughs> <laughs> or Sean or, or right, anything. Right. And, and you know, uh, it's yeah. funny because Moosey himself would say, listen, we're not, we're not First Light. We're not Sitka. Yeah. We're not even Fleet. But it's, um, it's camo for the working class yeah. man. And that's half of why I love it. You I know, I, I'm sure I can find warmer, higher quality gear somewhere else, yep. but it's, it's supporting a, a smaller business. And yeah. I, and I've always taken pride in, in being yeah. able to do that. Yeah. And so, he, you know, that's sick of very well, maybe warmer. You know, or or last longer, or, or it'll yeah, yeah. maybe yeah. You know, and and may be all of that. Um, but the other thing that Moosey would say is, if you're going to spend a thousand dollars on something, do you want to spend it on your clothing, or do you want to spend it on a bow, or do you want to spend it on a scope for yeah. your gun? Yeah, you know, something that's actually going to, um you know put you in contact with with it mm. so there's a trade-off there there is yeah. there is and and i'm not i know we're we're talking a lot about specific name brands yeah in this. and that's that's just because i'm we're using them as examples right. it's not that i specifically hate sitka no but i will say you see a lot of people wearing a sitka hoodie or a, a sitka hat <laughs> and you know darn well that they cannot afford to buy the outfit. Mm-hmm. And if they do, then their family's not eating right, for the right, next month, right? <laughs> right? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's great. I had a, a, a buddy at Ranger School, Tyler, great guy. He had a sick, uh, I think it was a hoodie. It might've been a ball cap. And I, I would crack jokes every time because he's <laughs> he is just like in my mind, like he's very similar minded to me in terms of he, he grew up in, in flannel and jeans kind of thing. Like, he yep. doesn't need the high-end gear. He loves fly fishing, but he doesn't have the highest fly. He makes his own flies because yeah. he doesn't want to have to go out. And, and he, he's he's very much so in the I'm in the experience. Yeah. He won that hoodie. <laughs> he won it in, like, a raffle or something. Yep. But, I, I, oh, you're sick of guy. I don't know. You know, and yeah. it's just kind of one of those. He's like, it's warm. I don't. I won it. It was free, and it's warm. I'm going to wear it. If somebody gave me one or, or if I won one. Yeah, yeah I'd right, wear it. Same right. with same like with the I'm Yeti. Not, I saw a great Yeti spoof today. It was awesome. Like, okay, here here's how Yeti got designed. We uh, need to sell new coolers. Uh, let's make them green. No, we're gonna make them white. Okay, and uh, and we're gonna we're gonna make them light. No, we're gonna make them heavier. And, uh, okay, we'll put wheels on it. Like, are you crazy? We're not putting wheels on it. <laughs> what is this Walmart igloo? <laughs> yeah. That's what it was. That, yep, that's yep. yeah. And it's going to hold less, <laughs> less beer. So, but they're making like it's hand over fist with this stuff. So there is, um, and it's it was actually, I mean, there was, there was some science done behind it to um, kind of prove it. The the Peloton effect or the Peloton something or other is the name. So there was this, this craze in the 90s or whenever Peloton first started putting out most of their, their big bikes and stuff yeah. where – there were 16 different brands all putting out basically the exact same bike that you could have at your home and, and you could you could pedal on your house or the treadmill or whatever. Um, and Peloton was debating, you know, their, their marketing team had to figure out how can they sell theirs? How can they make theirs better? It wasn't, it, how can you make that better? I mean, you're pedaling right. a bike inside. And right. it, how much more advanced can it get? So they just tripled the price. <laughs> 
Uh, this, I'm serious. Yeah. Oh, they yeah, tripled the price and people bought it because they thought it was better. And then it's, they got it's, some hot young chick riding it. And, yep. and, it, and it's and it's just this mindset that I'm spending more money. This is higher quality gear. Yeah. And I, I think that that is, that is sometimes just that is a marketing scheme. Oh, sure. And it's and, and that's the same thing with like Yeti is I have a, a great Calcutta mug. I don't know what Calcutta is. No. I bought it while we were in Georgia, and it was twenty bucks less than Emily's Yeti mug. <laughs> the lit I use Emily's lid all the time. They're the exact same mug. Wow. If I put ice in one, I put ice in the other. It's gonna last the exact same. the. I mean, you can look at the the measurements where the indents are on the exact same mug, wow. top to bottom. Twenty bucks cheaper because it wasn't. It doesn't have the name. Yeah. So I might as well just buy a. Two dollars Yeti sticker, slap it on there, right, and, right. and I'm just as good as her. But I spent eighteen <laughs> bucks less, you know. I was listening to uh, Mike Rowe, you know, from Dirty yep. Jobs. Yeah, he does a podcast called The Way I Heard It, and um, this week he had a guy on, uh, an author, Mike e- Michael Easter, and um, he wrote this whole thing about the scarcity mindset, and um, and he talks about how our brains are hardwired. Uh, for overconsumption and uh, and to take unnecessary risks. And the, the idea is, um, and, it, and some of it has to do with our brains evolving. And yeah. I don't know that I buy into all that, but, uh, you know, when we were, you know, um, cavemen and Neanderthals. Uh, Thals. Or, what's that? Neanderthals. What did I say? Thals. And what did you say? Thals. Neanderthal? Neanderthal. <laughs> <laughs> when we were cavemen, um, you know, when when there was food, you ate and you ate and you ate and you ate mm-hmm, till it was gone, mm-hmm. and so our brains still have like we didn't get the memo that, and that's why you go to a, like an all you can eat buffet and you you keep going up. Yeah. Do I need more than one plate of food? Nope, but I'm going for three because I want my yeah. money's worth and I got to keep it. Mm-hmm. And you know that's. Same thing. He's he attributes like gambling addictions, and there's other issues with addictions. He said, yeah. but, but you uh, content is not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to keep going. You got to keep. What's the next thing? And that's right. That's the. Th- I mean, I see so many of these guys that or or hunters that are each year have to upgrade their bow. Now, okay, uh, I can probably sell my my CP twenty eight Bowtech. It's been out two years. Um, I could probably sell it this year for worth more than what it is, you know, in in five years. Yeah. But I'll run that rig probably for another seven years. I'll get I'll get right. ten years out of that. I I ran Especially my, if you add new strings on it here yeah, or there or uh, just uh, the cams yeah. and uh, same thing with a truck. So American Engineering they designed trucks um, to run one hundred fifty thousand miles. Well. Yeah, you can probably if you're willing to put money into it, get two, maybe even three hundred thousand out of it. Um, but I'm sitting here and I'm looking at people around me getting new trucks and thinking, oh, I need to, I need to upgrade. I need Fiance Jake. Yeah, <laughs> it's a so, nice truck. It is a nice truck, and it's it's honestly that's probably what we'll 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 look at another Silverado. Mm-hmm. We'll keep this one. I just had a new transmission put in, and we'll keep this for around home. Yep. Um, but it's we get caught in the um that idea of keeping up with the joneses that i've got to have the next newest greatest thing um and in the hunting world we think somehow that makes us a better hunter when the reality is no play the wind sit still shut up 
and be Fred Bear. I mean, yeah. Fred Bear shot a whole lot of deer in no camo and with a stick and string. Yeah. You know, and, and enjoy the hunt. Um, and that's that's what I that's what I push back against. Yeah. Well, and it's funny you bring up trucks because I had a 2003 Chevy Silverado Stepside was my first truck. It was a little six cylinder. It was a four three. I mean, it was nothing pretty. Right. But it it ran. It was what I could afford. It was great. I upgraded finally because that one the transmission went and I, I just needed to make an upgrade. Well, I got an extended cab. Yeah. It's not it's not a, a crew cab. But it's an extended cap, and I don't know if I can go back now. Right. Because it's, I was content where I was. There were some times that I was like, all right, I've got three grown men in the front seat. <laughs> really? That was my Dodge Dakota there, going there, to job sites. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There were a couple of times that I was like, I could probably use an upgrade. But for the most part, I was perfectly content with that truck. And now I've got a new one, and I don't know if I could ever go back to a standard cab. Right. You know, I, I don't know if I could ever go back to a six cylinder. It's too easy to pull somebody's car out of a ditch. Yeah. <clears throat> but let me let me say this, right? Like, you, uh, Dave Ramsey, you 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 went from a, you went off of the Dave Ramsey principles in that one. Your truck doesn't define who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you're an outdoorsman, whether you have a, a pickup truck or Prius. Um, <laughs> Prius might define who you are. <laughs> um, but the uh, beyond that, you also said, okay, what can I afford and pay cash for? Yeah. Like you yeah. are, you're debt free. You paid cash for that vehicle. Yeah. And that's, that's the key, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's, you're going into debt for a whole lot of stuff to impress people who you'll never see or right. never right. who really don't care uh, that's that's the push for me is that i, I you know i don't care mm-hmm. I, I, and and by and large people on on the internet nobody has said anything about like oh you're running last year's bow or <laughs> uh you're 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 wearing catch and release like like I'm not getting a lot of flack for that stuff mm-hmm. because I'm out there doing what I'd love to do. Well, and it's and it's funny, and I'm gonna go back to it's skiing, um, which isn't you know they're they're comparable in that you guys went skiing. <laughs> oh, I wish you had been there. I I wish I was there too. I I had another obligation. Um, so as a result, Jake, my brother, took my brand new 2023 Atomic Bent. 85 skis with my new technica boots and my tyrola bindings and like newish gear um and he went and i i told him i was like hey just so you know these are like an all mountain they do some freestyle with these so anybody that sees you on these nice new skis they're gonna expect some tricks out of you he skied once in his life it was when he was 12 which was over a decade ago and i'm sure he was pizza and down the mountain yeah he, he did pretty well yeah but but you get my point is that there's if I have this brand new gear, I have this mindset that okay now I'm better. Right. Now that I've got the, I was doing fine on the skis I had. I, I hit a bigger. I have hit bigger jumps on my old um, Rosignol experiences that were 20 years old probably and old rentals that yeah. I got for 150 bucks. Partly because I was at whiteface compared to where I am now, but I was able to hit stuff like that and be fine. Yeah. Don't get me wrong; it's a lot more comfortable oh, yeah, and a lot yeah. better now, you know. But it's well, it's funny because before we left, Jake was going, "Well, I don't want to look like a poser." I go, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, should I wear my like my bibs?" I'm like, "Your Carhartt bibs?" He's like, "Well, yeah." I'm like, well, why don't you just wear Charlie's? Because your Charlie's pants will be waterproof. And, yeah, you know, and they were ski pants. He's like, "Well, I just don't want to look like a poser. Like I know what I'm doing, and I'm like, who 
who do, what do you care? Like, yeah, who's, nobody's right, looking right, right. at you. What do you care? So then we show up, and we get all our gear on, and here comes Emily and FJ. They had already had their stuff on. <laughs> Emily's wearing this white puffy coat, which looked like it hadn't been washed in years. Like, it was this uh, mm-hmm. dingy white and this bright orange neck gator that would go over her helmet. <laughs> like, you couldn't miss her. And FJ's wearing his full-on welding outfit, like his Carhartt's. Lineman's coat. His lineman, like all this stuff that he wore, like to clean out somebody's outdoor boiler the the day before. So he reeked like fire. I'm like, this is great. So we're going Mm -hmm. up the lift, and Emily goes, well, Emily and Jake are like, Dad, you look like you're right out of the 90s, because I'm still wearing the coat that I (laughs) I, bought in the 90s. I thought that when you were gearing up, I was like, yikes. And I go, you know what? This guy doesn't know what an hour-class ski is. <laughs> I, go, I don't care. I don't care because I guarantee, and, and mom says, this is egotistical. I, I go, I know that I am a better skier than probably 98% of the people on that mountain. Yeah. I mean, I raced for years for Swain. I skied since I was five. I know. So I don't care how I look. I'm going out there for the art, the, the self self-fulfillment for mm-hmm. me of skiing like to me and, and i remember a professor i was teaching a class and he had me teaching parallel and um this was when i was at houghton he goes now watch mike do this he goes it's like it's an art to him like you and that was the first time i thought of it like it really is yes yeah. and so i'm i'm carving down the the, the trails mm-hmm. and i'm just in my head, my own yeah. self, I didn't give a rip. And mom said, well, that's kind of egotistical. And I said, well, it's not. I don't mean it as ego. She goes, I know. You're just, you're confident and you're good. Yeah. She said, but um, the, she goes, and the other thing is, is you don't care. And you've never cared what other yeah. people think of you. And if I could give my kids anything in this world, it, it would be that. Mm-hmm. Don't care about what other people think about you because most of the time they think they're thinking about you because they're thinking about themselves how do i look in comparison to somebody else what do i look Mm -hmm. like and if you can go out there and shoot a deer with a i don't know with a martin or a a bear bow that you know is from the 60s Mm. and and you're killing a deer ethically then don't care what other people yeah, look or say. Yeah. That's my. That's where I'm at. It's funny. I was just uh, posed that question or a similar question, and I don't remember the context behind it. But I was I was asked, "What is my stance on um, looking good for other people? Hmm. Like, what, what? Where? Where do you stand on that?" And I and I think there is a part where I don't need or caring what other people think about you. That's that was the question. Right. How do you feel about? caring or how how do you feel about how other people feel about you you know like where do you do you think that's important and and i thought about it and i think my answer is it is to some extent you don't you shouldn't change who you are for other people you should be able to enjoy you shouldn't let it haunt you however there is a professionalism if i if i'm just showing up i don't I don't care if I'm wearing grease-covered jeans and right. a grease-covered hoodie and I smell. I don't care. But the people around me probably are going to not yeah. want to stand next yeah. to me. I'm not going to look that professional. If I showed up to the interview or, right. and I'm and I'm looking like a mess cuz yep. I well, I don't care so I you know why should they care? Yep. Well, I'm probably not going to get the job or I'm not going to get the position I'm in. However, I think there is a part where we were talking about for the the tree safety 
they gear up the trainers that you get a new helmet and you get new chainsaw boots and you, I think you get chainsaw pants that are all new. Um, and the thought process is that we're going to keep these aside. And then when you do the trainings, that way you look professional, you look clean and it sets you aside from the people that have the orange Husqvarna hard hats yeah. that are, you know, that, that's all they're using. And are you so making I, fun of my hat? No, no. <laughs> I, I, so I get that, that it sets, you know, however, as somebody who is, has been a part of these trainings, I respect the opinion of the guy who has sawdust all over his hoodie, whose boots are clearly worn in yeah. a lot more because you can see that he's got experience there. Yeah. And I think that you can look that in hunting too. Sure. I think the new guy that has got brand new, real clean hunting coat and, and bow and pants and, yep. and brand new boots and everything else and spent high dollar on it, that's not worth a lick if you don't have the knowledge backing it up. Right. Um, I'd much rather get, and li uh, if I'm told a tip from a guy w wearing all that, and I'm told a tip from an old timer who's wearing his, you yeah. know, his jeans or his, his old style hunting camo and, um, his lever action 30, 30 with iron sights. Cause that's what he always hunted on. And that's what he needed to and take a deer. He's cutting an apple with his pocket right, knife right. at lunch. Yeah, <laughs> the same, the same pocket knife that he used to gut the deer probably. Right, right. You know, it's, yep. I'm taking his advice. That guy has seen some stuff. He's yeah. got experience. Yep. Um, and that's and that's my stance. Yeah, and so you know we talked about we we mentioned Aaron and and the reason we did was because there, we're in a group chat with those guys with Aaron and Sean and, mm. and Jake and you and I and um, and I know for a fact that both of them Aaron and Sean started out at the bottom of the rung, you know. Yeah. And so I am not like while I love to tease him about Zika. Mm -hmm. I don't hold that against him because I yeah. know that he came up through the ranks. I took him bow hunting. I put him in the worst spot I possibly could. <laughs> and he's, you know, he's barely, he's in his, you know, Walmart camo. And he mm -hmm. shot a really nice buck. I was ticked. I, <laughs> you know, and, and Aaron or uh, Shawnee, you know, he probably, he came to it a little bit later. So he had a little bit more disposable income mm -hmm. and he was living in Alaska. I was going to say, he's probably the greatest example of the, of coming in late. Yeah. And so he, you know, that first year we, you know, that we started taking him out hunting, he had that backpack that, and he had, <laughs> pulls the machete out and he's got a first aid kit and, you know, meals for the next six weeks in case he gets lost on the farm. And, you know, but he has, he has come so miles far. and yeah. miles, you know, uh, you know, I, I was there after he shot his first deer and helped him you know you know filmed him uh butchering his first deer you know he pulls out the gloves and <laughs> go up to his, his shoulders, shoulders and he's and, he, and he's moved from that you yeah. know and, and we all started out that way that's oh, yeah that's what i respect is is when you start out that way and then you move forward from there um i think those are the guys that are like okay he's he has seen some stuff he has experienced some things in the woods yeah. and you're right yep. yeah and, and and i really think that that ultimately experience is going to trump whatever gear you have. Right. And that's why, you know, you're, you want to put your money towards a rifle over a camel. That's fair. But it, where we're at, do I really need a real nice scope? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, if I'm only going to take a hundred yard shot, that's not unrealistic to do on iron sights or even a, a cheaper scope. Yeah. Or 
I bow hunt all the time and I can get a deer in, you know, close enough to bow hunt. Why don't I just wait a little bit longer with a rifle and wait for him to come in? And that's some of, and we've, I'm sure we've talked about this at one point or another is, is that some of why I got into trapping and I, and I should do more of it. It can just be time, time consuming is my biggest. And, and part of it is, is I don't feel like all we're, all we're getting out of it is we're taking the, the animals off the property to protect the chickens um, and the turkeys and the turkeys and, the and everything else. Yeah. yeah. But it's, you know, before when I was trying to sell the pelts and I was doing that, there was some more in it for me in terms of at least I'm, I'm, you know, right. it's not going to waste. Um, and that's what I've, uh, part of my pushback from trapping as consistently in these recent years is I feel like I've, I've, it's wasteful if I catch these yeah. and I don't necessarily, cause it's a possum or a raccoon and sure. it's pelts not worth pelts, anything. Pelts have actually come up. I, right? I, I was looking at an article about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I got into it because it was another challenge. Yep. And and I think that's why a lot of us got into bow hunting. Yeah. Um, if you didn't, if you started with rifle or shotgun and then you go to muzzle or you go to bow, you're going for that additional challenge. And as long as you just keep upgrading your gear, you're reducing that challenge. If yeah. you're, if you're going for the highest, highest level gear for your bow so that the deer doesn't know that you're sitting there because you're scent free and you're invisible. You know, if, if we, here's a, here's a thought. If I got brand new technology, it's an invisible cloak. The deer could not see me moving. Do I could be doing jumping jacks. It wouldn't see me. Would you use that gear? <laughs> I mean, you, you know, right, like right. It, it's, it makes the hunt that much easier. Cause that's where, and we're that's, what, that's, where we're, that's what we're trying. Right. Technology right. wise, you could get, I've seen blinds already that are mirrors yeah, you, because they're yeah. going to look just like the, the surroundings and they can't see anything behind it. And if I had an invisible cloak, would I use it to hunt? And I don't think I would No, because I love when the deer comes in and I have to freeze Yeah, and I could feel the heartbeat pounding in my chest yep. and I'm slowly moving to try and set up and, like, and he's kind of eyeing yep. you, you know, yep. and he's, he's, he might blow and you, and you're trying to play that, that there is such an excitement and an right. adrenaline rush and you get this satisfaction when you finally stick one. Yeah. When you, that's when where the you, challenge when is. When I hunted all season and I didn't get one till the second to last day of season, that is so, it was a dull, it was a one and a half maybe two and a half year old doe but it was so satisfying because i spent hours and hours and hours hunting yep. in the cold and the rain giving up every friday and saturday and, and sunday that i could yeah. to get out there and that's what makes it exciting for me if yeah. it, if i knew i was going to get a deer going into the, the woods yeah it's not exciting anymore no and that's why i don't like video watching movies and tv shows i've never gotten into that yep. you know and some people do and it's just, and when we were little, they're on uh, on occasion, mm-hmm. but it was, I don't get the excitement watching somebody else get a deer because when you're watching a show, you know that they're going to get the deer at the end of the episode right. a lot of the times. And I'm not in the moment. I'm not, you know, I'd much rather watch my buddy, I'm not hunting, watch him get a deer and be in the moment with him yeah. than watch it on some film from some guy that you know is probably on a farm or, or has scoped the property out and knows that yeah. he's going to get a deer, you know? Yep. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that, all of that. And I think, um, you know, I, I, that idea of dress for success or dress, you know, like the interview idea, I, I, I fully go with that. I agree completely mm. with that. You got to be, you got to read the room and know, okay, what's appropriate. You know, if I'm going to go to an interview, I'm going to dress, you know, nice or whatever is required for that interview. And I think there's also, I would say, if I am trying to share my faith with somebody, 
I want to, um, I want to approach that as well in such a way that I'm not looking like I'm better than mm -hmm. them, but I, but also that I come across as somebody who is trustworthy, who yeah. is struggling, uh, but who has found some answers yeah. through through my faith. And so um, that's the other place that I would say I'm careful about uh, what I say, how I act, and and even what I wear. You know, the racetrack, we we work at the racetrack all summer long, and it, and, and I love racing, but it's it's about being able to build into that community, yeah. uh, reach those folks and, and connect with them. I've done funerals and weddings for people at the racetrack. Mm -hmm. And um, and I, you know, I, I, I go in jeans and a shirt, and then they, you know, I've got a nice uh, race official shirt because I do the flagging. But... Um, you come that's Saturday night. You come to our church on Sunday morning, and I'm in jeans and a nice shirt. You know, like yeah. I'm just not. I'm not that pretentious guy that feels like I got to be something that I'm not. So, right. But, well, I think, uh, boy, we we killed an hour quick on that one. Yeah, and we got a little. We got <laughs> we got some fire. I got I got excited there at the end. Uh, yeah. I was I was on a roll there. <laughs> that's good. Um, yeah, and you know, I was gonna um. We always have our our usual mentions, you know, like, um, you know, Ryan is a, a heel hunt basic, you know, mm -hmm. outfits that kind of thing. Um, I think uh, Uncle Steve is like uh, what I love to talk to him about, and and I was gonna, I thought about having him on tonight, but with me not feeling well and stuff, I just figured we'd knock this out. But um, he is, um, he is what I was. You know, 30, 40 years ago, when yeah. I first came up hunting, was, you know, you wear your warm coat and your warm pants, whatever that is, and you mm -hmm. go and you find a place to sit. And he builds ground blinds, and, and it's just, it's simple and basic, and it's meat in the freezer, and he loves it. Yeah. You know, it's about, it's the same thing with Papa, you know, it's about family. It's about mm -hmm. Uh, being in the woods and, and Papa will tell stories about leaves falling in the woods. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, as he's in that moment, he didn't care. You know, yeah. he probably could never tell you the name brand of any of the gear he right, had, right? Other than he had Winchester rifles, and that's what most of our rifles are mm -hmm. as well, because um, they're affordable. They're we'll never outshoot them. You know, yeah. the, the accuracy of my rifle, I'll never find the end of that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I've adopted a lot of that stuff. Okay. I'm going to spend $200 on a scope cause I know I'm going to drag it through the woods and it'll probably break mm -hmm. and I can afford to replace a $200 scope. I can't afford to replace a $1,500. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I guess some of it is how you're raised too. So, well, and that's, and that's kind of the last note I want to leave off on is it's not, I don't want to act like I'm poo pooing the, the Sika and the high end gear. Cause I think what it comes down to is is what you're enjoying right. you know like i i don't know if i i necessarily will will go to the extent of of i don't love drives and that old timey you know where we're gonna go hunt this entire block of woods and see if we can find one deer on it and push it to you and then we're gonna shoot it and then have to go shoot it three more times before we finally recover it and that's just not my kind of hunting but people enjoy that and some of the old timers will will yeah. say that that's the way to do it and i think that there's going to be people that newer are gonna like this style where we're we're getting the high-end gear yep. i know what buck i'm going for and, and they are gonna get all that satisfaction of i got this 
high, this buck that is, I've been tracking all year and I know it and I love it. And, and that's what they enjoy. Yeah. And I think that that some of that is comes with personal preference. Yeah. And that's it's, where the challenge is for them. Right. To right. get a specific deer. Right. Yep. And I, and that's, and that's just the, what, what it really boils down to is, is we as hunters need to recognize that not everybody's going to enjoy the exact same thing. It's the same thing. Some people like free mountain skiing and, and, and going in the powder off, uh, off the, the trails. And some people like the parks and some people like groomers and moguls and, yep. and, and all things, people are going to like different things. Yeah. And it, it, I feel like in hunting, we just, we look at it as our way of hunting is the best way of hunting. Yep. Yep. And we need to look at it more of, I enjoy my way of hunting and they're going to enjoy their way of hunting. And that's where the hunters that are are really in the, oh, you could have let that deer go. I think they need to take a step back and realize yeah. that that kid or that grown man enjoys that deer because he put the three hours on a Saturday that he had free. He worked all week and he had three hours free and he got a, a little spike. He loves that, that deer far more than you're going to love that eight-year-old yeah. eight deer that you've been hunting for the last seven of them. And it's, it's, and it's the same camp as crossbow, yep. right? Like. You know, that guy's taking a crossbow out, and it might very well be because he doesn't have the time to practice all summer, which bow hunters say you got to be shooting all the time. You got to shoot all the time. It's your responsibility to kill that deer ethically. This guy doesn't have that, so he's shooting right. a, a crossbow. Well, you're shooting a crossbow. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's the same It's the same kind of thing. We need to just let people – I mean, that, we're the land of the free, yeah. right? And so – if we're really going to believe that, then we got to really act on that and mm -hmm. just let people be free to do what they do and, and to enjoy it within the law. Yeah. So, yep. All right, folks. Well, uh, next week I'll, I'll probably be, I don't know, we'll either do one next Friday or I'll be coming from you from <laughs> maybe I'll, I know Moosey and I are going to probably do a podcast and I got a couple others lined up while we're down there. So, um, but next week, I may be at the Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg, PA. Um, stop by and see us. We're at the Catch and Release booth. Um, otherwise, Charlie and I will probably do one more next week, and then we'll have a couple lined up. I've got some guests coming that um, I'm really excited about as well. So yeah. we'll talk to you later. God bless. Mm -hmm.